Every great team is not created equal. Throughout NFL history, only a handful of teams are truly in consideration for the greatest of all time. But what about the others? What about great teams that you may have forgotten? Well, in this series, we're going to talk about all of them, team by team, and truly find out who the greatest team in NFL history is. The criteria includes offense, defense, how good they were compared to other teams that year, how high their peak was, playoff success, and league strength. All teams considered will be in the Super Bowl era. And today's example of that, ladies and gentlemen, is the 2016 Atlanta Falcons. Now, this might be a tad controversial, especially for people that have followed NFL history. Okay? Because many of you that do follow that will say, well, the 1998 Falcons had a better record. They made it to the Super Bowl, and they beat a really good Minnesota Vikings team in the conference championship game. And while I would usually agree with you, but it's not that simple. Because a key thing I'm using to judge these teams on is strength of the NFL itself. And 2016 was an extremely strong year for the NFL. The talent pool was very deep. This Atlanta Falcons team is possibly most famously remembered for one thing. And it's not that fair. Does the score 28-3 to ring a bell to any of you guys? It should. It's one of the most memed moments and one of the, most great, and one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history. Damn. And it's really unfortunate that that masked what I think was one of the best teams to never win a Super Bowl and one of the most exciting offenses that never gets talked about. Which is a damn shame if you ask me. Let me paint a picture for you. The landscape of the NFL was thus. The Carolina Panthers the previous year had just, won, had just gone 15-1. and one. That team was in the Falcons division. The Falcons had been, gone, had been going several years of mediocre play. And there was talk of blowing up the team. Dan Quinn, who is maligned now, but he had a really good coach, was a really good coach that year, comes in, writes the ship. And guys, when I tell you this team, this team was a precursor to everything that's right about the NFL nowadays. They were exciting. They were dominant. They scored a lot of points. They had star players. And they were a team that had never won anything, coming from nothing relatively, and they were shocking the world. Now, the record is not going to wow you. 11-5. They won their division, but 11-5 is not crazy. But they, got, they are the classic example of a team that got hot at the right time. And the reason this team, I believe, is pushed above the 1998 Atlanta Falcons is a couple of the criteria I talked about. One, their offense. Two, how dominant the league was, how talented the league was compared to then. And how high their peak was. At their peak, this team was unstoppable offensively. Unstoppable. And I'm a firm believer that if you have one side of your ball that is unstoppable, you're a threat to win it all. Offense or defense. 
Think about that. <laughs> Just think about it. This was Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, who lived up to that nickname that year. This is Julio Jones, arguably the most underrated yet dominant wide receiver of the past 25 years. This was a smattering of elite of an elite supporting cast, all of them capable of taking over a game. A great offensive line, a great play caller, and an opportunistic defense. Now let's quickly go down the list. Let's talk about their offense. All right. Actually, you know what? We're going we're gonna to talk about the defense first. Let's save the offense for later. Let's, let's save that for later. The offense of the Atlanta Falcons, or excuse me, oh my goodness, the defense of the Atlanta Falcons was led by a couple of dynamic playmakers. And people, don't for, and people forget how good these guys were, some of them. Number one, Deion Jones, a 22-year-old Deion Jones, one of the most athletic linebackers of the past, geez, it, ever, one of the most athletic linebackers ever. Super fast, great run defender, great in coverage, was robbed of a Pro Bowl and All-Pro appearance that year. If you watched football that year, you knew how good Deion Jones was. 108 so uh, combined tackles, 75 solo, 33 assists, four tackles for a loss, 11 passes defended, and one forced fumble, three interceptions, two of them returned for touchdowns. Unreal. He did that all in 15 games, only starting 13. Beh- right behind him, another big playmaker, Kayon O'Neal, one of the hardest hitting safeties you'll ever see. 106 combined tackles. Five force fumbles from the safety position. That's huge. Ricardo and Keanu Neal in 21. So they were ready. And you had Vic Beasley. Well, I know everyone likes to laugh at him now, but back in 2016, Vic Beasley had 15 and a half sacks as a first team all pro. Pro bowler, all that. Only started 12 games at 15 and a half sacks and six force fumbles. Do you know the age of all of Jones, Neal, and Beasley? 22, 21, 24. Wow. There was no veterans on this defense. This defense was young. This defense was fast. They hit you hard. They hit you often. They ran sideline to sideline. Nothing like it. Other key contributors on the defense included Devondre Campbell, uh, Ricardo Allen, Robert Alford, who had that pick six in the Super Bowl, Desmond Trufant, who was their best corner, Grady Jarrett, also a young 23-year-old stud, Really came into his own in the Super Bowl as well. Dwight Freeney, who we talked about last episode, kicking around in there, had three sacks. <laughs> Still just, I'm unbelievable how he was just walking around out there doing his thing. This defense wasn't rated very highly, statistics-wise. Gave up a lot of points, 25 a game. But they didn't need to be great. They needed to be good enough, and they were good enough. They needed to do two things. When you have a great offense like this Atlanta Falcons team did, you need to do two things. Takeaways, sacks. That's what you got to do. Get them in bad third down situations and get takeaways. That's all you got to do. Sounds e- It's easier said than done, but that's what you got to do. And this team did that. Got pretty good amount of interceptions, a lot of sacks. 
Vic Beasley, 15 and a half. You got three from Grady Jarrett, four and a half from Adrian Claiborne, three from Dwight Freeney, you know, two from Desmond Trufant, actually. So a little bit of pass rush from out there. One from Courtney Upshaw, two from Rasheed Hageman. You just got, so you have pressure from all directions. You got speed in your linebacking core and your deep secondary. And you got some interior push with Grady Jarrett and Rasheed Hageman. And then you got the old Wiley veteran, 36 years old, coming off the end, giving you three sacks. 36 years old, Dwight Freeney, still contributing. Unreal. I might have to do an episode on, on Dwight Freeney if he pops up on a few more of these. Good Lord. <laughs> I think I'm like developing a man crush on Dwight Freeney. That guy was... How are you that old and you're still contributing? It's what the hell are you doing? But that defense, the numbers didn't say it. But they were good. I cannot overstate to you how ridiculous Deion Jones was that year. When I say, when you hear like middle linebackers, a lot of times the phrase sideline to sideline gets thrown out. He was a true sideline to sideline linebacker. Elite speed. Excuse me. Elite. Could run down most running backs. And he was nasty. And he could hit. And he was smart. And he was a good cover guy. 11 passes defended and 3 interceptions from the linebacker position is nothing to sneeze at. So they, they did what they had to do that year. And they should not be forgotten that year. And, and obviously they failed in the Super Bowl. And we're going to talk about that. But I'm making the case for these teams. This team obviously wasn't perfect. But it's a damn fun team to watch. Go back and watch highlights if you can. That defense was fun. Moving on. Let's talk about the real reason this team was really, really good. And that was their offense. Okay? And not even... I think one of the biggest and most unfair things that have happened in football past 10 years, 20 years even, is the way people overlook Matt Ryan's 2016 season. That was, for my money, one of the best quarterback seasons of the 21st century. Top five, I think, even. And that's saying a lot. When you, come, when you look at all the factors. This guy started all 16 games. On 534 attempts, he completed 69.9% of his passes. Nice. So oh, basically 70%. 4,944 yards. Almost 5,000. 38 touchdowns. 7 picks. I'll, that's an interception percentage, by the way, of 1.3%. Elite. Don't even need to say it. You guys know that's elite. 9.3 yards per attempt, which is a really, really telling stat, which means he was pushing the ball down the field consistently. So his completion percentage is even that much more effective. He's basically like a juiced up version of Carson Palmer, like we talked about last episode. Do you guys understand this guy? And he did that while taking 36 sacks. So he wasn't exactly getting protected as well as you think he would be. Anything over two a game is too much, in my opinion, for a quarterback. Matt Ryan, first team all pro, pro bowler, MVP, well-deserved. 
But I want to put this in perspective. I think his 2016 season is better, is only surpassed by three separate seasons of this of the 21st century by quarterback. All right. Um, it goes Peyton Manning in 2013, I believe it was number one. Brady, no, excuse me, Mahomes is number two in 2018, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, and Brady in 2007. Call me a homer all you want. The numbers and like the eye test, that's my opinion. Matt Ryan, number four. He's up there with some of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever lived. And yes, I'm putting Mahomes in that category. If you've watched him play and you've watched, you, yeah, he's one of the most talented, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever lived. That's what Matt Ryan's capable of. I still believe you can win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. They almost did. Put the right talent around him like they had. He can win a Super Bowl for you. 38 touchdowns, 7 picks, almost 5,000 yards, almost 70% complete. So he had efficiency, he had the big playability, he, got, he, he scored touchdowns, and he limited mistakes. The perfect quarterback season. I would take, if, if there was a draft of like quarterback seasons and like quarterbacks at their best, you could have him for his whole career. You're telling me you guys wouldn't take Matt Ryan if you couldn't take a few other guys? In 2016? Oof. I could spend this whole podcast talking about Matt Ryan. He was... His nickname, Matty Ice, which everyone forgets about, unfortunately. That's what he was that year. Matty freaking Ice. Gosh, I mean, wow. Book that, man. Take that to the bank. But it wasn't just Matt Ryan, guys. It wasn't just the passing game. You had a two-headed monster at running back that year. The perfect modern backfield. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman. Two guys that could run between the tackles or outside and catch the ball out of the backfield. Devontae Freeman got all the love. He had 1,079 yards, 11 touchdowns, almost 5 yards a carry. Had 54 catches for 462 yards, 2 touchdowns. But Tevin Coleman, nothing to sneeze at either. 118 carries, 520 yards, 8 touchdowns. 31 catches, 421 yards, 3 touchdowns. Both of them, one guy, like Tevin Coleman was a couple, about 60 yards away from being the, for these guys, the, like 60 yards away from being the two, only two guys, one of the only two guys in NFL history to have two backs go over a thousand yards of scrimmage in the same year. Unreal. So that's his backfield. That's Matt Ryan's backfield. You just interchange these guys, interchange them and they're going to get, they're going to get results. You know how insane that is? Like, are you kidding me? But it wasn't just that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sh- they had this receiver, you know, I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, maybe you have. I don't know, but Julio Jones. Wait, does that ring a bell? Julio, who in 14 games that year, just 14, 83 catches, 1,409 yards, Six touchdowns. He had over 100 yards a game. Yards a target over almost 11. Do I need to say more? When he's right, when he's at his best, he's the best receiver in the game. 
big, strong, fast, great route runner, tenacious, goes and gets the ball. Throw it up. Just throw it up. He'll get it. Just lob it up there. He's going to get it. Guarantee. Guarantee. Julio bleeping Jones, man. But again, it wasn't just Devontae Freeman. It wasn't just Tevin Coleman. It wasn't just Julio Jones. It was Mohamed Sanu, who was a solid number two. It was Taylor Gabriel, who was a really good big play receiver for him in the slot. It was Jacob Tammy, Austin Hooper, Levine Toilolo. Those for that group of tight ends did pretty well. Everyone they had was a threat. But no one talks about what I think was probably the reason the season went so well for him more than anything else. It's Kyle Shanahan. And the way he called the game. Oh my God. One of the most brilliant young play callers in the NFL. Him and Matt Ryan meshed. And wow, the way they utilized their guys, man. This team needs more love. It pisses me off, I think. It really does. It gets to me. Whole 28 to 3. They were this close. This close. I know you can't see how what I'm doing, but I'm like doing I'm doing like a really, you know, this close. <laughs> From all those memes out the window to Matt Ryan being a surefire Hall of Famer. That close. They were beating the Patriots worse than any team's ever beaten them. Ever. Until they weren't. If they won that game, I'm serious. This team is in contention for anything you want to say. I don't care what that sounds like. Seriously. They're in contention for that. They got hot. I want, you know what, just to illustrate, because they're gonna, people are going to cherry-pick the record. They're going to cherry-pick the defense. They're going to cherry-pick the Super Bowl. You wanna, I want to talk about the peak is what's really important to me. How good were they at their best? That's what's important. Okay? Sustained success is a factor, yes. But I'm looking at what happened. They kind of are not the best going through the regular season. They weren't the most consistent. They lost the first game, won four straight. Lost two straight. Won two straight. Lost a game. Won a game. Lost a game. They're 7-5 and five going into week 14 against the Los Angeles Rams. These are the scores before the Super Bowl starting in week 14. 42-14. to 14, 41-13. to 13. 33 to 16 against a team that went 15 and 1 the previous year, the Carolina Panthers. 38 to 32. That was the closest game. Divisional playoff game against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and the Legion of Boom. 36 to 20, lit them up. Conference championship game against the Green Bay Packers, 44 to 21. Another conference championship game loss for Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, he's the greatest quarterback ever, right? Then you get to the playoffs and you get to the Super Bowl. You're up 28 to 3 in the third quarter. So let's say for like from, uh, from uh, week 14 
to the conference to the third quarter of the Super Bowl. So that's let's say 26 and a half quarters. They were the best team in football. And it wasn't close. 26 and a half quarters. And then they weren't. And that's, a, and that's disqualifying for them. And it is. I'm, gonna, I'm the first one to say it. They're not one of the greatest teams ever because of that. But this is the best team in Falcons history. Do you guys know how impressive it is to sustain that level of success late in the year where you're scoring almost 40 points a game every single week? Teams don't do that. The Chiefs don't do that, really. They can, but they haven't. They like, they've put up similar numbers. So we're talking about one of the greatest offensive stretches for that entire time, and the defense only allowed over 30 points once. Only allowed over 21 once. And that was in week 17 of the Saints. This is before the Super Bowl. They were the most dominant, best team in football, and Matt Ryan was the best quarterback, nay, best player in the NFL that year. Throw out all the, 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 the freaking, the record and, the, you know, everything else. That's not what matters. It's, I'm sorry, I just, I hate when good teams don't get their due. It's frustrating to me. But look, let's go through the criteria. Offense, obviously A+. That team could move the ball on anyone. I think you could stick that offense in any era of professional football and they'd succeed. They were perfectly built, perfectly coached, talent at every position. They didn't have a weakness. They could run the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball deep, throw the ball short. Screen game. Trick plays, anything you want. Defense. I'm going to give it a C plus. It's a low grade, but I think the good parts of that team were their speed, their opportunistic nature, and they could get a pass rush. But at the end of the day, they blew the Super Bowl pretty much. You can't be giving up 25 points in less than two quarters. You just can't. How good, you know, how good, how, like, how high was their peak? They were a Super Bowl runner-up. They were the best team in football for 26 and a half quarters. How good were they compared to the other teams in the era? This one's interesting. So this year, you had the Patriots, which were obviously very good. The NFC, you had... Green Bay and Seattle. Carolina wasn't as good, but Green Bay and Seattle, that's a tough two teams to get through, especially in that time frame, man. Rodgers was still as good as he was and ever has been. Russell Wilson was coming into his own, and he still had Marshawn Lynch, and he still had all those guys. Actually, did they have Marshawn Lynch that year? I'm not sure, but they still had the Legion of Boom, at least, coming off of back-to-back Super Bowls. You know, they that's a tough team to beat. The AFC, you look at guy, I mean... That year, the Chiefs were very good. The Steelers were very good. The Patriots, obviously, you know. The Broncos weren't as good. 
but their division wasn't a cakewalk. Carolina, New Orleans, those are tough outs. This team, they were dealing with one of the most talented eras in pro football. Yeah, that team was good. Look, bottom line, bottom line, this team was fun to watch. They were dominant at their peak. And I think a couple breaks go their way. We're talking about this team in a completely different way. Let's say in the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman doesn't make that catch. You know, you know the one I'm talking about. Let's say Matt Ryan doesn't take that sack to keep them in field goal range, which would have kept it at a 10-point game at the time. Let's say there wasn't a terrible holding penalty. Let's say Brady just doesn't go Super Saiyan. Let's say the Patriots just didn't play the best football of any team in the past in this 21st century, best quarter of football that entire 21st century. Let's say they just don't play that. Falcons win. Let's say Hightower doesn't knock the ball out of Matt Ryan's hand. Super Bowl. Everything had to go wrong for the Falcons to lose, and it did. That's not going to happen nine times out of ten. 99 times out of 100, that's not going to happen. That means something to me. Context means something to me. Football is so much of a... Sports is so much of a result-driven business. It's only if you win, right? It's only if you win. But context does matter. If this team was a little bit more experienced, do they crumble like that? I don't think so. If Dan Quinn pulled his head out of his you-know-what, do they crumble? No. It's just, momentum is a tricky thing. And they blew it. It's unfortunate. But, that's the way it goes. And you know what? It may not be fair, but football isn't fair. If it was fair, then... The Browns wouldn't have been as bad as they've always been. The Lions wouldn't have been as bad as they've always been. D. Ford wouldn't have lined up off sides. I know I'm not dwelling on it. <laughs> and, if it was, and if it was fair, then Matt Ryan's not blowing a 28-3 lead versus a guy that's already won five Super Bowls at that point, four Super Bowls at that point. It's just the way it is. But for me, that's not going to ruin what I believe this team was which was a kick, you know what, I'm going to say, a kick-ass offense, and a fun defense, a young team that almost did the unthinkable. They almost beat the GOAT. And for me, that, that matters more than, that matters more than the 28-3. That's what I want to remember this 2016 Falcons team as. A team that took the NFL by storm by playing a fun but still sustainable brand of football. They almost won the Super Bowl with a really bad defense, statistically. 
Then what happened a couple years later? Chiefs won the Super Bowl with not a great defense. Got to the, you know. Isn't that something? Cheers, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's probably where we're going to wrap it up. Um, at about We're going to hit the 30-minute mark again, but I think this we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, next week, we're... Ah, oh, geez. What are we going to do next week? I, I can't ever remember the order of these teams that we do. I have it all written down. Hold on. But next week, we're going to be doing... Great content, Sam. The Buffalo... The Baltimore Ravens next week. This one will be fun. A couple teams to choose from. One pretty obvious one. Spoiler alert, it's probably going to be that team. But, you know, we'll talk about the other ones. But Baltimore is going to be a fun one. And I know... uh, Jackson out there. I know you're listening. You're going to have a kick, kick, uh, kick ass time with that one. So, uh, look forward to that. Um, thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Um, this series I'm hoping is going to bring some more energy back into this podcast. Um, I feel like it hasn't been the same since the name changed just in terms of the content I was searching for, but I'm really, really feeling good about this series. And I hope you guys are too. If you have any ideas, any comments or questions or concerns, please tweet at me um, at Sam Diebler. That's all lowercase S A M D E A B L E R. Um, You can also follow me on Instagram. um, That's S Diebler 16. Um, uh, Quick plugs here. Go follow my friend um, Noah on Twitch. That's photo underscore bum. Um, follow him on TikTok as well. Uh, follow my guy Kieran at Excalibur Kieran on Twitch, um, as well as Twitter, same name. Uh, follow my girlfriend Lexi on Twitter at Lexi Cuban, all lowercase. Uh, make sure you check out the Sexy Podcast, which new episodes come out Friday. We had a new one go out last Friday. If you haven't caught that one, make sure you go catch it. Really good stuff. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. We're really ranking up. We're really cranking up productions. More podcasts on the horizon. YouTube's on the horizon. Stay patient. Stay with us. Um, I love you guys if you're listening. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means the absolute world to me. For all of us here at Excalibur Studios and the One Man Break Podcast, thank you guys so much for listening. I realize I just hadn't even said the One Man Break this whole time, but thank you guys. You're awesome. Peace.